Amen. Without delay, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids. Thank you, Jesus. God. Well, if you have your Bibles, we are going to be looking in Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. 15 through 19. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Are the Smiths done? Amen. I'm excited about this lesson tonight. Amen. Um, It says in Mark chapter 11, 15 through 19, it says, And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer any man that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy it, destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. I'm going to try to teach on this subject, not for sale. Not for sale. Brother Brad, you want to pray for this message? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to try to uh, teach uh, tonight, and there's going to be a lot of, or a couple words that are interchangeable. I want to focus on two words, and those two words are peace and prayer. Uh, I don't know uh, where you are or how you are when you pray, but when I have st struggles in 
difficulties in my life, uh, when I enter into that place of prayer, there's a peace that enters in. And it seems like all the troubles and issues that I experience just seem to disappear. And so whenever I find myself struggling, amen, I just want to get into the presence of God. Uh, Thank you for that opening, Brother George. It really, um, it just gave me confirmation uh, on what I was going to teach tonight, amen. In our previous lesson entitled, uh, The Unproductive Tree, Uh, which we taught out of Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, we learned how those that were supposed to uphold and respect the temple and everything it represented was, or it seemed to be forgotten. Uh, There was a lot of things going on in the temple, and we're going to see just a few of them and how uh, it really caused a stumbling block to not just the ones that were in charge, but the ones that were witnessing what was going on. In this lesson, which we will entitle, Not for Sale, is the end result, or really the sad result, of the tree that was not being productive. It really is a continuation of uh, the last lesson we taught. And so we began with Jesus trying to reinstate the value of why um, the temple was built and the purpose for keeping it pure. Let's venture into this story. Let's read how Jesus once again leads his disciples back to the temple. And really, it's something that should be a reoccurring practice for the apostolic church. We should always find a place of prayer in our temple, our physical temple. And so it is, it's no coincidence that Jesus chose Jerusalem, which literally means a place of peace, a place of prayer. I think the importance of investing our time, our life um, in prayer is critical because This is where God can speak to us. This is where God does speak to us. This is where God should speak to us and where we are taught to establish a strong and enduring relationship with God. Amen. If you want to hear the voice of God, you're going to hear it in a place called prayer. Psalms chapter 141 and verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. In other words, there should be an aroma that that ascends up into the sky, praise God, and it, it attracts God, amen. God is drawn by how we pray and how we magnify him. It also says, in the lifting up of hands as the evening sacrifice, when I hear about sacrifice. I hear about giving of ourselves. I hear about us dying out to ourselves, amen, giving everything we got to the purpose of why we're dying, amen. In this instance, it's prayer, prayer. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith or belief or lifestyle, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, amen, and our bodies washed with pure water or simply the word of God, amen. When we are in prayer, amen, and when we are sincere, amen, and we, 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 are, we are approaching God, amen, there's no need for us to reflect back on what we used to do or how we used to be and how God looks at us, amen. We ought to approach God with full assurance, amen, that God is ready to meet us, amen, and God is ready to accept us with open arms, amen. As we give it all to God, God smells that aroma, that fragrance of prayer. Amen. And so here in this story, we envision Jesus not only leading his followers to this place of peace or this place of prayer, but how we as a people, as the people of God, can grow stronger in our own relationship with the Spirit of Jesus, with the Spirit of God. During my life as a Christian, amen, um, I've noticed uh, some people have a difficult time praying. For some, prayer is a hard character trait to learn. Even the disciples were challenged in this area. There must have been something different. There must have been something special about the way Jesus prayed. I've been witness to many, many people, old apostolic uh, elders, amen, that really knew how to get a hold of God, amen. And I'd sit back in awe and I'd watch these old apostolic preachers, amen, with that crackly voice just crying out to God within the very depths of their soul, just yearning and crying and saying, oh God, oh God, I just want to know you in a greater way. And within my body, I yearned and I wanted, I desired to pray like that. And this is probably how the disciples felt. This is probably what they experience for it says in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place and when he ceased one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray like that amen you ever find yourself God I just want to pray in a deeper way I just want to pray with a greater passion a greater way. I want to I reach the depths, amen. I want to I reach every aspect you have for me, Jesus. And it's only my opinion, my humble opinion, that I'm not sure prayer is something that can be taught. It's not something that you can go to school because prayer is developed through a continual relationship with Jesus Christ. A continual relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, prayer has two components to it. The first one, amen, is talking with God. 
communicating with God. Address God, going, coming to God with your needs. But it also requires listening to God, listening for his voice, amen. I think all too many times we, we pray and we, we come to God and God, can you help me with this or God, can you help me with that? And then we get up before he even answers. But prayer, prayer is not only talking, but listening. It's amazing when you look at this story and you look at the Jewish culture, especially under the Roman occupation. Did you know that the only place the Jewish people had dominion, true dominion, was in this temple atmosphere? They wouldn't let anybody go within the bounds of where only the Jewish people could be. Amen. Did you know, amen, in your vessel, your temple, amen, you have total dominion, praise God. You have total dominion within the confines of your body, your temple. It's just you and God. Praise God. Praise God. But apparently the ones that were in charge of this temple were the ones that were abusing it. The, the religious leaders were selling and buying animals that were supposed to be used for sacrificial purposes, but they were abusing the temple and the people for profit, for for for. for profitability, amen. It was all about them. What can I get out of it? And it's a sad state when, when people excuse religion for relationship. Religion for relationship. And so the temple, because of this religion for relationship concept, was being distorted by those that should have known better. This place of peace where the Spirit of God was supposed to flow uninhibited was a constant web of abuse and deception. And so Jesus said these words, they've made it into a den of thieves. A den of thieves. The scribes and the priests were placed into a position of, or they were supposed to be in a position of great spiritual authority, responsibility. They were in charge of what was coming in and what was going out. But because they devalued, amen, pure worship and rejected God for all that he had done, They were cast out. You see, it wasn't just about them. It wasn't just about what they were doing. But it was the influence that they had on those that desired to know God. You see, at the same time, excluding those that were looking for the opportunity to know God's peace to know how to pray, to know, to know how to enter into this place where they could have a relationship with God. 
because of their actions, because of how they abused their temple. Are you hearing me tonight? People are watching us tonight. They're watching how we take care of God's temple. They're watching what comes in and what goes out. How would you feel? How would you respond, amen, if Jesus turned your tables upside down? If Jesus stepped into your life because things didn't look right and he flipped your tables upside down, how would you respond? You see, the Gentiles had just as much opportunity to worship God, to serve God, to praise God, to have a place of worship for God, as much as the Jews did. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. It says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to him in himself of twain one new man. Mm. And so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace unto you. Where, where you were afar off, now you are close or nigh you are close to him because of what jesus did amen there was a wall of prejudice amen between the jew and the gentile but when jesus came he knocked down that middle wall of partition and this is exactly what paul was saying let me give you an example the religious leaders in that day, cut off the Gentiles from a place of worshiping God, worshiping the God of Israel. The Jewish leaders turned the location where the Gentiles were allowed to gather and worship God into a place of sales and thievery. The outer court or the court of the Gentiles was a promised place of worship for the Gentiles, amen. This area was built specifically for those outside of the Jewish faith to come and worship the God of Israel. Gentiles, due to the noise and commotion of their temple court, could not and did not have a place where they could come and practice, where they could come and pray, where they could come and worship, praise God. It's because the Jewish people, amen, brought all these items in and they set up shop where the Gentiles were supposed to have their place of worship and it pushed them out. It's powerful. They were isolated, the Gentiles from the Jews, and Paul is saying that's no longer the case when God saved us, when Jesus came and hung himself on the cross, that middle wall of partition that separated the Jews and the Gentiles was abolished, praise God. Now everybody is together. Now we have the church where Jews and Gentiles can come and worship together and praise together and love God together and, and know each other and there's no prejudice. 
And so my question is this. What are we doing to inhibit or stop God's temple from being used to influence others that are seeking God? That's powerful. Are we a representation of Jesus Christ that's living inside of us? Are we abusing God's temple? Are we being a positive influence for those that are seeking God? It's amazing in this scripture, in this, in this setting, Jesus goes on to quote two Old Testament passages of scripture as he begins to cast out them that sowed and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and seats of them that sold doves. Jesus first quotes this passage in Isaiah chapter 56 and 7. We'll start at 56 and 6. He says, Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and take hold of my covenant, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain, talking about the Gentiles, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Everybody. Not just the Jew, but the Gentile. He's opening the floodgates for everybody. He goes on in verse 8 and says, The Lord God which gathereth the outcast of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. All ye beasts of the field come to devour, yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They might all... Uh, They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving loving so slumber. Yea, they are greedy, greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain. He is prophesying about what's gonna happen in the temple in the future. And then Jesus finishes up with Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11. You have made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. It's interesting when you read this scripture that there were many different kinds of sacrifices. There were bulls and and other aspects of animals, but he focuses on doves. And I started researching this these, these doves, these birds, and doves carry many, many, many meanings. Some of the meanings are birds of peace, birds of life, birds of the spirit. That's what the money changers were bartering with. They were selling all these gifts that God had given them. Peace, life, spirit. Gentleness, meekness. We could go on and on and on and on. And God gave them the opportunity. He gave them all these special character traits, amen, that were from God himself. 
God gave them love so they could share with others, amen. But they abused the very gifts that God had given them. They were selling out the very gifts that God had enabled them to have. That's why Jesus focused on the doves and the money changers, amen. He was telling them, look, you cannot abuse the gifts that I've given you. You have gentleness and goodness and peace, amen, because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You're not supposed to abuse these character traits. You're supposed to use them for the purpose of God. And so Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Solomon said to buy the truth and don't sell it. Solomon was encouraging the people to be guided by wisdom, directed by instruction, and have an understanding of the plan for a well and balanced life. Where are you going to find that? You're going to find it in the word of God, amen. You're going to bring that word of God, amen, into your temple so the word of God can identify certain areas within your temple, amen. And if Jesus needs to correct it, if Jesus needs to turn some things upside down for you and me to get our lives right, amen, to restore that spirit of peace, to restore that spirit of meekness, then so be it. The only way you're going to find it is in this place of prayer, in this place of peace where God can reinstitute, where the word of God can come back. He can enter into your temple and he can say, hey, you need to fix some things here. Don't be a sellout. Don't sell these precious gifts that God has allowed you to have. You see, these are areas, instruction and, and wisdom, amen, and understanding. These are areas that we as a people of God are to invest in to be spiritual, to, 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 to benefit spiritually off of. I want to have a strong temple. I want people to be attracted to my temple, praise God. I want to be an influence, amen, to, to, to the world, amen, which is a picture of the Gentiles, amen. I want to be beneficial. I want to, I want to be spiritually beneficial to people, amen. And so these are areas that we are to invest in if we want to spiritually benefit from the temple. Jesus said, my house shall be called of all nations, a house of prayer, a house of peace. You see, it wasn't that the people rejected the temple, but the reason why they were there was for only selfish reasons. Their idea, meaning the rulers of the temple, their idea of investment was for personal gain. When Jesus stepped on the scene, he revealed their true intentions and their real motives. And when he did that, the people wanted to cast Jesus out of the temple because Jesus 
interfered with their profit and loss lifestyle. Mm. Their profit and loss lifestyle. That's all they were interested in. They were interested in what can I get out of this? What am I going to lose in this transaction? What do I have to give up? You don't have to give anything up. If there's something that's, uh, that's compromising your temple, it's something you should desire to give up. Amen. And the only way you're going to know, amen, is if you enter into this place of peace. And that's why Jesus was bringing his disciples to this temple. He was teaching them a valuable lesson. When things try to enter in, amen, and try to rise up against the true purpose of temple worship, amen, we need to turn, we need to allow them to turn our world upside down and show us the true purpose of why he lives in us, temple worship. Mark eleven eighteen 18 says, And the scribes and uh, the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. You know, in many passages, the indestructibility of, of Scripture is pronounced. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, it says, All flesh is as grass, and all glory thereof as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord abideth forever. God's word is always going to be here. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Mm. When the heavens shall have passed away with a great noise, the elements... Amen. Melted with a fervent heat. The earth, the earth and the works there are burned up. The word of the Lord will remain forever and ever and ever and ever. Isaiah said, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know, when you read this story and you look at the end result, it was a dark day. And it will be a dark day when the word of God fades from a person's life. There are people that are pushing away the only book that can save them. Unfortunately, the end result for abusing our temple as they abused their temple is found in verse 19. And it says this, And when even was come, he went out of the city. When darkness came, amen, because they lacked in prayer, they did not identify what God was trying to do in their lives. When the word of God entered into their temple, when the word of God entered into their temple, amen, and rocked their world because there was something wrong, they wanted to push him out. They wanted to kill him. 
They didn't understand. They were astonished at his teachings. They were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at his words. They didn't understand. And that's simply because they didn't use the temple. They didn't use the temple. They didn't use it for the right purpose. It was supposed to be a place of prayer, but they turned it into a den of thieves. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. God, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you want to spend some time with the Lord, you're more than welcome to.